Her left hand started shaking. Then she had difficulty walking. She told her employer she was sick. They just said, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And basically, they fired me. This is MS, a podcast about one of the world's most misunderstood diseases. I'm your host, Andrea. I was diagnosed with MS when I was 31 years old. In this episode, I want you to meet someone who lost her job because of MS and how she's fighting to help others deal with disability in the workforce. This is Julia's story. Julia's journey with MS began in 2003 when she started experiencing a tremor during a presentation at school. I had a really pronounced tremor. My left hand was shaking. She knew her left hand wasn't shaking because she was nervous speaking in front of her class at university. Outside of school, her job at the time involved public speaking. She was a tour director, you know, the person at the front of the bus on the microphone. She was speaking to groups of 40 to 45 tourists while traveling across eastern Canada. She had no explanation as to why her left hand started shaking. What became concerning enough, she went to see a doctor. She was referred to a neurologist who told her she had an essential tremor, a nerve disorder characterized by uncontrollable shaking. The medication she was prescribed to treat her tremor didn't seem to work. Instead, the shaking got progressively worse. Tremor just kept getting worse and moved throughout my body, so I couldn't even pull my pants up or open a can of soup or do any of those basics. Julia was 32 years old. She was working full-time and studying part-time for her master's at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. She was scared as her mind raced, and she looked for explanations for what might be happening to her. The fear that it was a brain tumor or possibly Parkinson's disease kept bubbling up. She did have a family history of Parkinson's on her mother's side. Having MS didn't cross her mind. She didn't know that a tremor is a symptom of multiple sclerosis. The MS Society of Canada defines a tremor as a movement disorder with an involuntary, relatively rhythmic pattern related to demyelation in the cerebellum and its pathways. It can affect any muscle group, including arms, legs, torso, head, vocal cords, jaws, lips, and tongue. Julia wasn't satisfied with her essential tremor diagnosis. She was persistent with her doctor and requested to be sent for an MRI scan. The results clearly showed MS was causing the tremor. At first, the news felt like a bit of a relief. A year later, but she finally had an answer. Going through this terrible process of misdiagnosis, different drugs, all of the psychological damage that it does, like it got to the point where my family was even saying, oh, I think you're doing this to yourself. I think you're too stressed out. She had doubts in her mind. She had started to think that maybe she was doing this to herself. For Julia, the news was now confirmation that everything she experienced was real and not self-induced. At the time of her diagnosis in 2004, she lived a busy life traveling for work. She spent up to six months of the year touring across Ontario, Quebec, and the Maritimes, working with a luxury tour bus company. 
She was on the road with a group of tourists in Montreal when her symptoms became so problematic she needed to be flown home immediately. Couldn't walk properly up the stairs of the bus. I couldn't navigate doorways, you know, just all of those things. I just couldn't do it, and I couldn't hold on to a pencil. Imagine being responsible for a group of 40 tourists and you're stumbling down the stairs of the bus because you're having issues with balance and depth perception. Julia felt so embarrassed because she wasn't well, and you could tell she wasn't well. She would come home and hear the news from her doctor that she had MS. Shortly after her diagnosis, she began a disease-modifying therapy. Her symptoms went into remission. The MS Society of Canada explains disease-modifying therapies as a class of drugs that target some aspect of the inflammatory process of MS. They appear to reduce the frequency and severity of relapses, reduce the number of new lesions in the brain and spinal cord, and slow down the accumulation of disability. There are a large number of different MS therapies currently available. Julia tried to go back to work, to go back to traveling. I went back for a bit and did a couple of runs. Every time I would come off the road, I would go right into another relapse. Those early symptoms, like the tremors and coordination problems, came back. Julia knew she could no longer travel for work. It was clear that at that point, I wouldn't be able to work as a tour director anymore. This was a job she spent hours researching areas of travel, a job she loved. A job she took so much pride in and had such passion for. Gone. I had to tell my employer I I couldn't work anymore. The company she worked for had a duty to accommodate. According to the Canadian Human Rights Act Employment Equity Act, your employer and or union must take whatever measures are necessary to enable employees with disabilities to perform their jobs to the best of their abilities. However, Julia worked for an American company in Canada. The laws are very different between the two countries, but her employer tried to accommodate her. They gave her a new role, working from home, selling tour packages. She struggled with the training in her new position. Went to Connecticut and trained for a month and a half. I'm trying to learn a new job, which is stressful, as we all know. Then I have to work from home. She missed the social aspect of her previous job and wasn't adjusting well to working from home full time. The company then suggested she become an online travel consultant. She was given a month in her new role before management let her go. They just said, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And basically, that, they fired me. Like, that, that was it. We tried to do this, but you can't do this either. So, see you later. She had such a hard time dealing with being fired. Not only was her life being ripped apart by her MS diagnosis, but she also lost her job. She felt like she had lost part of her identity. She had invested 10 years of her life in this company. She loved being part of their team, not to mention the fact that she was an excellent tour director. So I think it took me about a year to clean out my briefcase. Like I just couldn't even, couldn't even go there. Being newly diagnosed with MS is a trying time. There's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know how your disease is going to progress. And you don't know a lot about the disease itself because you haven't lived with it for very long. 
She expressed her concerns to her employer and felt they brushed it off. It seems they just gave up on her. You know, I guess it was too much effort to try to be compassionate and easier to just replace her. It was even a struggle for Julia to try to get benefits. Working for a U.S. company in Canada would prove to be challenging in attempting to obtain long-term disability. Some of my benefits were transferable to Canada, and, you know, I had to get a lawyer. I had to do all of that sort of stuff to try and get some benefits just so I could pay my rent. She felt like her life was in turmoil. But the good thing was, she was also in the middle of her master's. She knew down the line she would have other career options. She was able to pick up some temp work at the university to help pay the bills while she was finishing her degree. I had to reduce the hours that I spent at school as well. I had to cut down to part-time. Julia received her master's in library science in spring 2006, two years after her diagnosis, shortly after she landed her first job as a librarian. At the time, Julia was functioning well. She was on a disease-modifying therapy that was keeping her MS in remission. She also had a team of support at the MS clinic in Halifax, keeping a close eye on her overall health. She felt like she had a grasp on her disease. Then she had the opportunity to speak publicly about her diagnosis. She was asked to be interviewed for an article in the Halifax Herald newspaper. Talking this around in my head, I'm talking to my neurologist saying, you know, listen, I'm happy to do all of this. I think it's important to do this kind of work and exposure, but I haven't told my employer I have MS. I didn't disclose to my employer when I was hired. All of a sudden, she was very anxious at the thought of her boss knowing she had MS. She didn't want to be judged or be treated differently. Some people don't want to say anything at work for fear of stigma and job security. When I was diagnosed with MS, there was already another woman in our office with the disease. I think this made the process of telling management a lot easier as they were already aware of multiple sclerosis. I do remember my boss got teary when I told him. We had a good relationship, and I think he was genuinely concerned I was going to become very sick. I recall sitting down in his office, telling him I had been diagnosed with MS about a month ago. I had started a treatment plan. I didn't expect to require any time off work. And that was about all I knew at that point. Julia had a terrible first experience telling a supervisor she had MS. She was fired from her last job. She was concerned about how her new boss was going to react to the news. What I didn't want was MS to define me. I didn't want anybody to say, look what Julia can do and she has MS. If her boss was asking her to do something at work or putting her in charge of a project, would she then be thinking, oh, could Julia handle this because she has MS? Would it change the way people treated her? I wanted them to say, look what Julia can do. So before the newspaper article came out, she knew she had to say something to her manager because she had the right not to be surprised. Julia sat down with her and simply stated, I live with MS. Felt like a strange revelation. Saying out loud to someone you have MS doesn't change anything. You're still the exact same person. Her boss's reaction was a positive one. She just asked me, is there anything that you need? 
which was the best question anybody could ask me. Like, let me know what you need and I'll help. Julia felt a sigh of relief, knowing she had the conversation, she was honest, and it went well. She felt supported and understood. Six years later, she moved from Halifax to Fredericton to begin a new job running the busiest public library in New Brunswick. By now, had been living with MS for a decade, and she told her current boss about living with MS As the topic came up in casual conversation, she just kind of blurted it out. She was starting to feel like it was no big deal. She can work. If she got sick, she would have to ask for time off or go on disability, just like anyone else would at her office. Now, as difficult and personal as it might be, Julia believes it's important to have conversations with your employer about your MS. Even though I had a really bad experience, Once my comfort level increased with my disease, my knowledge about what my disease looked like, I think those conversations are easier and necessary. If I go into an employer and say, you know, say I've been working for them a couple of years, they know my performance, all that kind of stuff, and I say, you know, listen, I've got a doctor's appointment and I might need a couple of days. If you have a good relationship with them, that shouldn't it should be a no-brainer. But if you're nervous and fearful that you're going to be punished for some reason, you're not, you're not going to even develop that relationship. You are not legally required to disclose your diagnosis or discuss your medical condition with an employer. There may be a time where you need to tell your boss because you require accommodation. On their website, the MS Society of Canada has a list of resources about working with MS. There's a section on different types of accommodation. Accommodation is any change in your work environment that gives you an equal opportunity to do your job. For example, you may modify your work schedule, including flexible work hours and time off without penalty for medical appointments. You may also modify job tasks or modify your workstation. Knowing that there are resources available to you should help ease the anxiety of telling your employer about a chronic disease. You know, one of the hardest things about being diagnosed with MS is that it occurs at an age where people are in their peak years for career building. The MS Society says people are typically diagnosed between the ages of 20 to 49. It hits people in their prime. They're educated. They have good experience. They have wonderful ideas and minds. And then they're told they can't work. It can be devastating to people who have spent time and invested money into their careers. And then they're told they're no longer a valuable member of the workforce. Julia has experienced what it's like losing a job because of a disability. She's now working with the federal government to encourage employers to hire people with disabilities. She's focused on helping those who have an episodic illness like MS. Because I don't look sick. Like, I've got this thing. You can't tell me I don't have a disability just because I don't look like I have one. She's the current lead volunteer for government relations for the MS Society Atlantic Division. She believes if you allow a person with a disability some flexibility in terms of time off, they will be completely loyal and dedicated to your organization because you have shown them that you are invested in them. During her time advocating for MS... She has been able to see the inclusion of episodic illness in the definition of disability. Their mindset has to change about what disability means. And episodic is a big term for them to grapple with, and it's now in the legislation. With MS, 
You may suffer a relapse requiring time off. You recover, and then you're into another relapse again. You could be ill on a frequent and unpredictable basis with moments of stability in between. All of a sudden on the job, you've become unreliable. You can see how this would be difficult for some to maintain a job. Episodic um, illness is a, is a big thing and not just with people who have MS. There are people fighting to help you. Julia is one of those people. Julia's current position as director of the Fredericton Public Library is accommodating to her MS. It's flexible working hours, and she's able to massage her schedule as needed, sometimes working more than eight hours in a day and sometimes less. She also has a great boss. She's great, so she gets it, and she understands that I had a relapse, I think, uh, three years after I got here. When Julia needs to see her neurologist, she's able to take the time away from work to travel to St. John, about an hour and a half away. Her infusion treatments twice a year are also considered a lengthy doctor's appointment. She's mindful to book them on a Friday and not cause much interruption to her schedule. This is truly the ideal situation for a person with MS. It's not a position Julia takes for granted. She understands she's fortunate. This is a large part of why she continues to push the government for change. She wants to encourage employers to support people with disabilities in the workforce and see Canadians in more remote areas of Eastern Canada have access to drug therapies. Her big wish? A national drug plan. Her hope for the future is to work for as long as she can. She'd also like to see MS research continue and has been impressed by the amount of current disease-modifying therapies available. There are significantly more treatment options than when she was first diagnosed 16 years ago. Julia enjoys her life in Fredericton. In the summer, she likes to walk, swim, and play the ukulele. In the winter, she loves being outside, snowshoeing. She's a voracious reader of first novels. But her most favorite thing to do is socializing with the people she loves. I'd like to thank Julia for sharing her story. If this is the first time you've listened to This Is MS, please go back and take the time to check out the other stories I've shared. Do me a favor, tell your friends about This Is MS. I would love it if you gave our show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This Is MS is written and produced by me. Audio editing and sound design is by Rob Johnston. If you have a question about one of the episodes, you can contact me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Team Dunner. This is MS, created with support from the MS Society of Canada. A proud presentation of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.